Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, whose most dear Son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain, and entered not into glory before he was crucified, mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The reading today is from John, chapter 4, beginning at verse 5. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sukkar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his son and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty, or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. 
The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more and then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labour. Others have laboured and you have entered into their labour. Many Samaritans from that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked for him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Saviour of the world. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. We live on a watery planet. Over 70% of it is covered in water, apparently. Water makes up between half and three quarters of our bodies. We can't live without it for more than a few days. But our dependence on it makes us vulnerable, and today's Gospel underlines that. Ancient communities formed where they did because they needed access to a reliable water source and the story we hear today is set around one of those essential local watering places, a well just outside the Samaritan city of Sukkar. This isn't just any well though, this well has a story attached to it. According to local legend, it was the well where the patriarch Jacob met and fell in love with Rachel his bride-to-be. You can read about it in Genesis 29. As it happens, Jacob's father and mother had also met at a well, but that's probably not as much of a coincidence as it might seem. Middle Eastern biblical women were meant to stay at home, hidden from view as far as possible, as they still are in some places. Collecting water, though, an essential task, was one of the only times when they'd be out and about, and therefore one of the only times they might come across men outside their families. But going to the well could be dangerous because of that. It was safer to go in company if you could, and a rare opportunity to socialise as well. But the woman we meet in the Gospel story seems to have no friends. She comes to the well on her own, 
and in the middle of the day, too, the hottest time, hardly the moment for hauling heavy water jars around. There's obviously a backstory here, though we don't know what it is yet. When she gets to the well, she finds a lone man already there, and a Jewish man at that. Jews and Samaritans regarded each other with great mutual suspicion. What's going through her mind? She has no idea who this stranger is, or what his intentions might be. Maybe she remembers those stories of romance blossoming at the well, but I think it's more likely she's wondering whether this man might do her harm, might even have been lurking there on purpose. Women throughout history have been trained to be on their guard in situations like this. We're taught to be careful and fearful about walking on our own or in the dark, about chance encounters with unknown men, and the conditioning sadly works. It's hard to shake the suspicion that something bad might happen, even though women are actually much more likely to be assaulted in the supposed safety of their own homes. Jesus' request for water is entirely innocent, but this woman doesn't know that, and her response sounds defensive and prickly. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? But gradually she comes to realise that Jesus not only means her no harm, but is turning her life around. How? Well, simply by treating her with respect, listening to her, taking her seriously. Many men at the time wouldn't have talked to her at all, but Jesus does. And more than that, he talks theology with her at length. This is the longest conversation recorded in the Gospels. Jesus even declares to her that he is the Messiah, the first time he ever does so in this Gospel. He answers her questions, shares his, his own thoughts, even chewing over the big issue between Jews and Samaritans about where God should be worshipped, in the temple in Jerusalem or on nearby Mount Gerizim. He treats her as an equal, in other words. How many times has that happened in her life before? Quite possibly never, especially as it seems that this woman has been dealt a particularly rough hand in life. As I said earlier, there's clearly a backstory to why she's alone at this well in the heat of the day, instead of in the company of female friends. And we get a glimpse of that story when Jesus tells her that he knows she's had five husbands and the man she's with now isn't married to her. Let's be clear what that means. It means that five men have divorced her. Women in her culture weren't allowed to initiate divorce. Only men could do that. It's possible she'd been widowed repeatedly, but she'd probably have been described as a widow if that was the case and even then she'd have been regarded with suspicion. What had she done to deserve such bad luck? They'd have assumed she'd done something. But divorce is more likely, and despite it being solely the man's decision, the shame and the blame of it tended to fall on the woman, not the man, five times over in this woman's case. She's probably alone at the well because she's been shunned. But whatever her community think of her, Jesus doesn't seem to think she's done anything wrong at all. 
How can we be so sure of this? Well, it's because he never forgives her. And if he felt she was to, to blame for what had happened to her, he surely w would have done. It's not forgiveness she needs. It's the affirmation of being listened to, properly, thoroughly, maybe for the first time in her life. Come and see a man who told me all I ever did, she says in amazement to her neighbours. Come and see a man who's seen and heard my story, not just the story others tell about me. A man who knows me better than I even know myself. This is what transforms her. This is the living water for which she truly thirsts. And when she finds it in Jesus, she runs off to tell her neighbours straight away, leaving the water jar she's lugged all that way to the well behind her. What Jesus does transforms her, but it also transforms her community. When they see what he's done for her and come to meet him for themselves, they call him the saviour of the world. It's actually the only time in John's Gospel that Jesus is called saviour. And of course it's long before he dies on the cross. It's not just Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection which saves us, says John. They're just the end point, the inevitable result of a whole life spent saving people, bringing them joy, a joy that he evidently shares in this story. The salvation this woman and her neighbours see is the recognition of her dignity and worth, and that changes them all. This is the good news, the living water, that she and they have thirsted for, and we need it just as much as they did because we're just as ready to silence, to scapegoat and to blame others for things that aren't their fault. This week we've seen serious proposals from the government not only to turn away refugees who arrive here in small boats, that's bad enough, but also to refuse them any chance to tell their story or plead their cause if they come that way, no matter what horrors they're fleeing no matter what gifts and skills they might have to offer, and to refuse them that chance not only now, but forever. Whatever the answer to the refugee crisis is, I don't believe it can be found by refusing to hear the voices of vulnerable people. Jesus calls us to listen to one another, at the very least to listen, because each one of us is made in the image of God someone for whom Christ lived and died and rose again, someone whose story is precious to him and needs to be heard for all our sakes. This is where salvation begins for the Samaritan woman and her community, and for us too, in the recognition of our shared humanity, a humanity Jesus himself shared. This is where the spring of living water begins to bubble up from, to cleanse and revive us. This is what changes us and changes the world too. Amen. And so we pray together in the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Christ give you grace to grow in holiness, to deny yourselves, take up your cross and follow him. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.